as you can see this morning, we are going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together. Another common name for the Lord's Supper is that of communion. Communion is an important word for it speaks of our fellowship. Literally, that's what the word means in Greek, koinonia, fellowship. It speaks of the fellowship that we enjoy with God and the fellowship that we enjoy with one another. There is a major doctrine in the Word of God that speaks of this fellowship, and that doctrine is the doctrine of reconciliation. The word reconcile means to restore friendly relationships between two entities. The theme this morning is that we are going to celebrate communion, the reconciliation of our relationship to God and others. If you are still there, I hope that you are. Our text this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I will be returning to Philippians again next week, but since we're taking communion, I wanted to have a passage that spoke of the issues that surround communion. And again, let me read to you 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20, with the emphasis on the word reconcile or reconciliation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So this morning, it's all about reconciliation. So I'm going to ask and answer some questions about reconciliation. First, what is it meant by reconciliation? The word reconcile means, as I said, to restore friendly relationships between two, entomy, two, en two entities. In secular usage, we might say such things like to settle one's differences, make one's peace, kiss and make up, bury the hatchet, declare a truce, to bring two people back together. Most often is we use the word, we use it in association with a, a married couple. Perhaps a, a couple has separated. They are no longer on speaking terms. They may be contemplating getting divorced. But they may reconcile. They may work things out and come back together and restore that relationship. This morning we are looking specifically at restoring the relationship that was broken between God and mankind. So why is reconciliation needed? The word reconciliation presupposes a good relationship gone bad. Let me say that again. Reconciliation presupposes a good relationship that has gone bad. You can't reconcile when there wasn't a good relationship to begin with. When God created mankind... There was a good relationship between God and mankind. But unfortunately, that 
relationship went bad. God had graciously provided Adam and Eve were the most wonderful place to live, the Garden of Eden. It was truly a paradise. He supplied them with an abundance of delightful food to eat. He said of every tree of the garden they may eat, except from one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, the day that thou eatest thereof, you shall surely die. But mankind lost their trust and worship of God. They began to question God's goodness as though he was denying them something wonderful by denying them access to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they forgot about all the goodness that he had shown to them in providing them with such an abundant garden and paradise. So instead of trusting and believing and obeying God, they rejected God and chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in so doing, they destroyed their relationship between God and man. Furthermore, mankind failed miserably in what God had given them to do. God had given to mankind the responsibility of representing himself to the world. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created him in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created mankind in order to reflect his glory and to represent him on this earth, and particularly in giving dominion to Adam and Eve over all of the rest of creation. And so God then gave mankind the responsibility of caring for his creation. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. And now this very important word, and to keep it. To keep it. To keep it means to preserve it, to watch over it, to guard it. And particularly, particularly to look out for its welfare, for all that God had intended for this world to be. But let's consider what happened. God initially gave to Adam and to Eve two sons, Cain and Abel. And when that relationship was broken between God and mankind, it not only broke the relationship that existed between God and mankind, but it changed the earthly relationships that people had with each other. And Cain grew jealous of Abel because Abel's Offerings were acceptable to God. Cain's were not, for he did not offer the offering that God told him to. And as a result, Cain killed Abel. Genesis 4, 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. God confronts Cain with the killing of his brother Abel. God confronted Cain about killing Abel by asking him a question. He said, where is your brother? Genesis 4 and 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? What happened to him? Of course, God knew. 
Cain lied and said, I do not know. And then he said something else, which is important and uh, extremely interesting. He then said this, am I my brother's keeper? That is the same Hebrew word that's used of Adam and Eve's keeping the Garden of Eden. He was asking the question, am I responsible for watching out for Cain? It is, is it my duty to protect him? Am I to be concerned about his well-being? What does Cain have to do with Abel? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I to watch out for his welfare? Obviously, the answer to that was yes. But you see, he did just the opposite. Rather than watch out for his brother, rather than to care for his brother, rather than to keep his brother, rather than to guard his brother, he did just the opposite. He killed him. He took his life. Thus mankind rejected God, and God became angry with mankind. Fellowship was broken. Mankind was banished from the garden, and mankind would now be punished by dying. How is reconciliation achieved? Well, when a relationship has gone bad, someone has to make a move to restore that relationship. Mankind was totally at fault in the relationship between God and man being destroyed. In most cases, in human relationships, when things go bad, we usually can find fault on both sides. We usually say things like, well, it takes two. It takes two. And in some instances, we may be able to say it's 50-50, or maybe 75-25, or even 80-20, or perhaps even 90 and 10. And we can see that someone bears the great responsibility, but yet there's still something to be said on this other side that they didn't do all that they could or all that they should have in keeping this relationship as it ought to be. But what is unique in the relationship that exists between God and man is that man is totally responsible for the, for the failure of that relationship. Mankind bears all the responsibility. God was faithful on his part. He did nothing that deserved the lack of respect or the rebellion that was shown towards him. Nonetheless, even though God was the offended party, if you will, even though God was the innocent party, even though God had done nothing wrong, God took all the steps in reconciling the relationship between God and mankind. Notice 2 Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God. It's talking about reconciliation. It's talking about the new creation. It's talking about this ministry of reconciliation. But in the, in the midst of all this, it starts off by saying, all of this is from God. God has done everything involved in this reconciliation process. This reconciliation, it tells us, came 
through Christ. Notice verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. It was God the Father who sent Christ into the world. No one asked for Christ to come down. No one asked for God to send his son. God sent him. Galatians 4.4, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born of the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive adoption of sons. A verse of scripture that virtually everyone knows, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But the point is that God took the initiative. And even in the Garden of Eden, even in reconciling Adam and Eve to God. It was God who came to the garden. They hid themselves from God. It was God who approached them. Having come into the world, Christ experienced mankind's alienation from God. Christ paid the price of mankind's sin against God. He suffered, he died. The scripture says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.21 in our text states, For our sake he, that is God, made him to be sin, that is Christ, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All a work of God. Christ made it possible for things to be made right between God and man. Fourthly, when is reconciliation accomplished? Reconciliation is accomplished when relationship is given a fresh start. When that relationship starts over. Those who have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior start over in their relationship to God. Notice 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Notice the condition. If a person is in Christ, we become united by Christ through faith. And if we place our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are then united to him. In John 17, 20, it says, I do not ask for these only, but for also those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, and they may be in us. But what I want to emphasize is the starting over in our relationship to God. And in that starting over in our text, it is referred to as becoming a new creation. Notice verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, now these words, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. That is simply saying that mankind starts over. It's as though God created man all over again. God had created man. God had created mankind to have fellowship with him. Mankind fell. Mankind, God provided a way for mankind to be forgiven and reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And if people believe in him, they become a new creation as though they were created all over again. The Bible speaks about this new relationship in many different ways. In this text, it's a new creation. 
Sometimes it's referred to as being born again. It's like you have a brand new start. It's like you were born a second time with a clean slate. With a clean slate. And then it goes on to say in verse 17, the old has passed away. Everything that we have done before, all the acts, all the issues, that's been done away. And now everything has become new. So you have a clean slate to start all over again. What I want to think about with you this morning is just how new have things become. The old has passed away. All has become new. How new? How complete is this reconciliation? So I want to unpack that thought for you, and it's in the text. For it tells us in verse 18, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And I want to unpack that for a moment. God sent Christ into the world to reconcile the world to himself. That is, that they would have a right relationship with God. Notice verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. That was the point. Bring the world back into a right relationship with God. In this new relationship, God does not hold our past sins against us. Notice verse 19. Not counting their trespasses against them. This is a remarkable degree of forgiveness on God's part. He does not bring up again the sins that we have formerly committed. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as from the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. It is as if God had totally forgotten about the sin we have committed. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. If you are married this morning, it, there has been some measure, I'm sure, in which you have found yourself somewhat alienated from your spouse and you needed to be reconciled. Maybe not so far as having separated, maybe not so far as having been divorced, but an argument, a disagreement, an unpleasurable exchange. And you have to come back and you have to say you're sorry. And you forgive each other. But what happens when there's another argument? Do you ever bring up the past? Do you ever bring up, well, <laughs> you always, you do this again and again and again, and out comes the laundry list of the ways in which we have disappointed our spouse. We remember well. We keep it in the back of our minds and it comes to the forefront. In God's forgiving us of our sins, he remembers them no more. He doesn't hold them against us. But now, here's the really remarkable thing. That's pretty remarkable in and of itself, but it gets a whole lot better. Here's the most remarkable thing. Look at the end of verse 19. That is, 
In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And then these words, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Doesn't hold our sins against us, and entrusts to us the message of reconciliation. Now think about that for a moment. Mankind was entrusted with keeping the garden and all that was in it, protecting it, watching over it, showing God's dominion over it, showing God's care for it, and mankind failed miserably. Cain in killing Abel, not loving him, not caring for him, not protecting him, rather doing just the opposite, murdering him. Now keep that in mind, and let me ask you another question. Let's suppose for a moment that you had a financial advisor. Someone that you not only were taking advice to, but but you entrusted all of your wealth, all of your income, every asset that you owned, you entrusted to this individual. And let's just suppose that he was grossly unfaithful, embezzled, stole, squandered, wasted away that which you had entrusted to him. And so now you are a pauper. For you gave that person dominion, power, authority over all that you had. Think of the difficulty it would be to forgive such a person. Okay? But you forgive them. They come to you and they say, will you forgive me? Yes, yes, I will forgive you. Just think of how hard it would be not to bring that up again in the future. But you have a new relationship to this person. You're starting over. And so you're not going to bring it up again. But let me ask you this. But then after having worked hard and after amassing a large amount of wealth again, would you entrust them with all your possessions again? Would you hand over to them, knowing what they had done in the past, knowing how they had so grossly failed, would you now say, you know what? I'm going to entrust you with everything I've got. In fact, I'm going to give you more responsibility than you had before. I'm going to raise you to a higher position. I'm going to make you my personal assistant in everything. That's what God does for us when he forgives us. For it says that he gives to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's now given us a new job to do. But it's even a greater job than the first job. For now, this job is to go out and care for the world and bring them back into a right relationship with God. This people that we formerly didn't care about, this people that we weren't interested in, that we were apathetic towards, that we didn't treat as we should, that we didn't love with all our heart and all our soul, as the Bible tells us to, now God says, I forgive you all that, 
And I'm going to entrust to you this work of bringing them back into a right relationship with God. And I submit to you that's amazing. And let me tell you why that's amazing. It's amazing first because God has made us his representatives. Look at verse 20. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. He has authorized us to represent him to this world. Now that's what we were created for. We were created in God's image. We were created to reflect the character and goodness of God. We failed. He forgives. And now he says, once again, you're my ambassador. You're going to represent me to the world. But now, it's not just in the way in which you live, and it's not just in the way in which you care, but now you're going to take my message. You're going to be my spokesman. You're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to represent me before this world. It's amazing because God has entrusted to us the responsibility to speak for him. Notice verse 20. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. What does that mean? God making his appeal through us. This appeal to be reconciled. This invitation to have a right relationship with God is going to come now through us. We're given that responsibility. It is amazing because God has entrusted to us the responsibility of carrying on the ministry that was begun by Christ. Let me say that again. It's amazing because God has entrusted to us the ministry that was begun by Christ. Christ was sent into this world to reconcile the world unto himself. Christ died, rose again, and ascended unto heaven. He did the work. He made it possible for people to have a right relationship with God by dying on the cross and rising again. Through faith in him, we can have a relationship to God. But people need to hear that message. And God chose to take those people that he has forgiven and entrust him with carrying on Christ's work. Notice verse 20. We implore you on behalf of Christ. On behalf of. Literally instead of. Instead of Christ. Christ has ascended. He's at the right hand of the Father. One day he's coming back. But he is not here today in a bodily form and presence. And in his absence, he's given the responsibility to all those who have been forgiven to take the message of reconciliation to the rest of the world and invite them to be forgiven and enjoy a right relationship with God and a right relationship with God's people. 
And let me just say to you that the worst response that we could ever give is, am I my brother's keeper? Do I really bear responsibility? Do I really have a duty? Do I really have to be concerned? What about that person I don't like? What about that person who's wronged me? What about that, that person who's done something terrible to me? Well, we're to show them God's forgiveness as we're ambassadors for God. We're to represent the character of God. We're to treat others the way that God has treated us. Namely, to forgive us and to welcome us back in a right relationship with God and given us this great responsibility. Christ did the work. He paid the price. He suffered and died. He rose again. But now we have the message. And the message is, at the end of verse 20, be reconciled to God. Come and enjoy a right relationship with God. What does that look like to implore people on the behalf of Christ? It means we take the initiative in restoring relationships. We go to them and not wait for people to come to us. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. In Isaiah, it says, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. Reconciliation is always initiated by God. And he has entrusted now the message of reconciliation to us which means now we must take the initiative and not wait for someone to ask us, how can I be reconciled to God, but go to them, knowing that they have no desire, and present to them the message, you may be forgiven and you may have a right relationship with God and God's people. It means we are offering forgiveness. It means we are saying to people, you can start over. You can have a new relationship. We're offering an opportunity, not only for you to start over, but actually to be used of God. To be blessed of God. To be trusted by God. To be empowered by God. To have a meaningful and full life of reconciling other people to God. 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says all this is from God. This was God's plan. From beginning to end. He started it. He initiated it. He achieved it. And he entrusted to us. This morning we are celebrating communion. We are celebrating the fellowship that we enjoy with God through the death and resurrection of Christ. And so we're going to symbolically dr drink the grape juice that represents the blood of Christ, we are symbolically going to eat the bread which represents the body of Christ. And in that, we are reconciled to God. We're doing it corporately together because it also represents our being reconciled to one another. A new relationship where now we care for each other in ways that we had not before. But let us, as we take of communion, also think of this. And Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he comes. 
meaning you're proclaiming the death of Christ. You are offering to people the opportunity to be reconciled to God, to be forgiven, and have a new relationship with God in which you are able to start over. So as we go to the communion table this morning, the first thing I would say to you is if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, we ask that you refrain because it means you do not have fellowship with God. For we need to have that fellowship through the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is my privilege to say to you this morning that if you desire that fellowship with God, you can have it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you want to be forgiven and you want to enter into a whole new relationship with God and start over, you can do that this morning by trusting in Jesus who died for our sins and rose again in order to reconcile us to himself. Let's pray. Our Father, help us this morning as we partake of communion. Lead us and direct us, and I pray that if there is anyone here this morning who has never trusted in the Lord Jesus as their Savior, that today that they would make that uh, decision. That today they would seek the forgiveness and a right relationship with you that can only come through Jesus Christ. I pray if there's anyone here this morning that they would uh, put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And let me just say at this point, if, if there is anyone here and you would like to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, experience the forgiveness of sins, and enjoy peace with God, I'd ask that you raise your hand quickly. I'm not going to call you forward or, or embarrass you, but I want to pray for you, not by name, but in a general way this morning. Uh, if you would like to receive Christ as your Savior, would you raise your hand this morning quickly so I can see it and pray for you. Our Father, we thank you for the gift that you have given to us, this wonderful privilege of not only being forgiven, but actually to be entrusted once again with this great work, to think that, that you would allow us to carry on the ministry of Jesus, that, that your Son, the one you sent into this world, that you would now take a sinful people and send us to do your work. Thank you for the transforming grace of God. Thank you for the forgiveness. Thank you for the empowerment. Oh Lord, we beseech you, help us. Help us to love you with all our heart, all our soul, all our might, and help us to love mankind in a similar fashion. Oh Lord, give us a concern for those that don't know you. Guard us from the apathy, guard us from the rebellion, guard us from the sinfulness of saying, is it really my responsibility to care about those that are dying and lost? Oh Lord, yes it is. And help us to willingly take upon ourselves that duty and responsibility of sharing the gospel with those that don't know you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm going to ask the brethren to come forward at this time. And uh, if you know Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, you're invited to uh, partake of communion with us. If you do not know the Lord, we ask that you refrain. But again, there's no reason why you cannot accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior, even at this very moment.